0: Holy Father, the starting gun hasn't gone off yet, but we're poised and ready in the great race of life. What would you teach us? Make today's passage of Scripture absolutely clear for us so that we might know how to win this race all the way to the finish line. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Has there ever been a human being more aptly named than Usain Bolt? B-O-L-T. B-O-L-T. The fastest human to have ever run, clocked, run on the curvature of this earth. I know it's old story now, the headlines of this last week, but can you imagine all of Jamaica cheering today? Their favorite son. Hallelujah. Usain Bolt. This week in the the Beijing Olympics, you know the headline, this 22-year-old ran the 100-meter dash in a world record time of 9.72 seconds and then turned around and ran the 200-meter dash in another world record time of 19.30 seconds, the two fastest times ever recorded in history, making his wins the first time one man has ever broken the world records for both races in a single event. I'm telling you, it takes you longer to describe his feet than it took his feet to run that race. (laughs) You go. And oh boy, he went. Mercy. And you know what? This is what I like about him. We'd be friends if we knew each other. Because he loves what he's doing. It's all over his face. Every one of those races. I just like to race against Usain Bolt. Huh? Three Americans found out, oh, bless their hearts, they tried. (laughs) Left them in the dust. I mean, look at if you ever daydream about racing against Usain Bolt, that isn't a daydream, that is a nightmare. (laughs) But could it be that if we read this ancient book correctly, truth be known, we are all entered in a race with Usain Bolt. A race replete with an Olympic foot race and stadium, maybe like the Bird's Nest National Stadium in Beijing. And a starting gun and a finish line. And all of it right here in our passage today. Open your Bible with me, please. Seven secrets. Lessons from the Olympiad. Seven secrets to win the race of the ages. By the way, seven secrets that... Usain Bolt must master himself if he would finish the greatest race of all. Hebrews chapter 12. New Testament. Find the New Testament. We're going to be in this tiny little passage for the few minutes we have together. Hebrews chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. It's page 810. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll be in the my new, today's new international version. TNIV. Preached it from it last Sabbath. Going to preach from it today. And I think for our new series, Primetime, by the way, coming straight out of the book of Acts, I think we'll, we'll be in the TNIV. doesn't matter what translation you have, though, just that you have one. TNIV, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There isn't a soul here this morning that doesn't want to win in the race of life. I know. So would you please jot them down? Seven secrets to finishing, to winning. You win by finishing. The mighty Olympiad of the ages. Take out your study guide, please. If you don't have a study guide, there should be one in your bulletin. If you don't have one, hold your hand up and our ushers will get the study guides to you. We've gone all summer without study guides, but we're going to be back in them now. Hold your hand up. If you didn't get a study guide, all the way to the back of the balcony. We want to make sure that you're able to take these seven secrets home and brood over them. Seven secrets. By the way, those of you watching on television, we're delighted that you have joined us. You can get the same study guide. Let me put the website up on the screen for you www.pmchurch. It's the New Perceptions website. pmchurch.tv. This is a standalone. There's no series that you click on. You're just looking for lessons from the Olympiad, seven secrets for winning the race. You see that, and it says study guide, click there. You'll have the same study guide. All right, let's go. Secret number one, write it down. Seven secrets. Number one, draw strength from the crowd. It's what every runner, every swimmer, every athlete does. When that roar begins to mount, as the athletes walk out of the tunnel and into the stadium, something happens to the competition. You can call it adrenaline, call it whatever you want, but boy, they are drawing, they're just feeding off of that strength. Winners feed off of the strength of the stadium around them. And Hebrews 12, verse 1, is making precisely that very point. Let's look at, look at verse 1 again. How does it read? Surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. I need to tell you that that word for the Greek word for a race there is agon. It's the technical term for the assembly of the Greeks at their national games. So we're just going to put it there in parentheses. It's the Olympics. The writer of Hebrews is talking about the Olympics, which is a huge clue, by the way, to understanding that opening phrase. Jot this down. That means therefore, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, is describing the roaring crowd in the stadium. How many people gathered in those ancient, ga- ancient games, in those stadiums? Karen and I, uh, a few months ago, this late spring, had the privilege of being in Italy for some preaching and then took a few days in Rome. And we stepped into the famed Roman Colosseum. You've seen pictures of that Colosseum. Scholars believe that, in fact, on those tiered benches all the way to the top, it could seat 50,000 attending the games there in Rome. The... Uh, Beijing Bird's Nest. Have you seen a more beautiful stadium than that? Look at that. 91,000 are crowding into that stadium for the Olympics. Big question. So how many are in the stadium that the writer of Hebrews is describing right here? This Olympiad of the ages, this race for life. We don't know the number, but we don't have to guess who is in the stadium. Watch this. Because the conjunction right here, therefore... Means that something is preceding it. And the word therefore draws us in to chapter 11. And everybody knows that Hebrews 11 is the Bible's hall of fame. The Olympics have a hall of fame. The Bible has a hall of fame. It's called the Hall of Faith chapter. Just turn the page back. We're not going to read it. But just turn the page back. Who, who are the people in the stadium? Let's find out. By faith, Abel. I'll just spot a few names. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. You see another one? By faith, Abraham. By faith Sarah, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses' parents, by faith Moses, by faith the people crossing the Red Sea, by faith the prostitute Rahab. You got it. The prostitutes in the Bible Hall of Fame. By faith Rahab. And then drop down to verse 32. Oh, he says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barach. It's not Obama. Gideon, Barach. Samson and Jephthah. I don't have time to talk to you about David and Samuel and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms. Look at the end of verse 33. Who shut the mouths of lions. Oh, that'd have to be Daniel. Look at verse 34. Who quenched the fury of the flames. You want to know who's in this stadium? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of them, verse 36, faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. That's the prophet Zechariah in the Old Testament. They were sawed in two. You know what tradition says about the prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament? Manasseh, the evil king, put him in a wet log, let the log dry in the sun, and then sawed the log in half right through Isaiah. He was sawed in two, right here. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And I love this line in verse 38. The world was not worthy of these people in the stadium. Not worthy of one of them. But it's not over. Hold on. Watch this. Verse 39. These all were commended for their faith. Now, hold on. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Nobody, ladies and gentlemen, nobody has been to the medals podium yet in the Olympiad of the ages. They have finished their race, but the medals have not been awarded. Nobody's gotten the gold yet. We have a whole city made of gold, but nobody has the gold yet. Why? What's going on here? Ah, For verse 40, God has planned something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. We're going to step onto that podium at the same time when the prizes are handed out. By the way, that's a great line for those people who think that when you die, you go straight to your reward. Nope. Nope. Everybody goes to the medals podium together. Isn't that something? I mean, that's, that's the stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the stadium. Who's in the stadium? Every patriarch, every, every, every prophet, all 11 of the disciples, the apostles, of course. Who's in that stadium? The point is, we've got to draw strength from the faces we see in that stadium. I want to put a quotation on the screen for you here. One commentator put it uh, in a way that just captured my imagination. Look at this. It's on the screen. The metaphor of the Olympiad of the Ages imagines the Christian to be an athlete making final preparations to run a race in an ancient stadium with a spectator seated on benches rising tier above tier on all sides. The athlete, intent upon winning the race, glances momentarily at the mass of faces that surrounds him like a cloud. Did you watch the competition? Did you know what? Every competitor, before stepping up onto that block to dive or to run, every one of them just went like this, just like this, just like this. What's happening? They are drawing strength, drawing power from the stadium around them. That roar is like energy in their souls. So who's in your stadium? Hmm? Conscious. Quote goes on here, conscious that the eyes of the faithful of all ages are now intently fixed on him, as it were. The Christian athlete experiences an urgent impulse to put forth every effort to win the race that has been marked out for him, that has been marked out, marked out for her. I mean, who's in a race? Well, I feel like I'm in a race today. Can you believe how hot it is? Man, I wonder why that was there. Can you believe who's in the race? Not, all, not only all these heroes in Hebrews 11. You think about it. You ever heard of the Walden seas? You ever heard of this? these men, women, and children who, who paid the supreme sacrifice to cross the finish line? They're all in that race. And you know what they're doing? They're watching you. They're not alive. The Bible is so clear that when you're dead, you're dead. But this is a metaphor now. And it's as if they're sitting in the stadium and they're leaning forward. All right, that girl, look at that girl. She's, she's going up to the starting line. Wonder how she's going to do. Wonder how that boy is going to handle himself. You go, boy! They're watching. The Walden sees. Every reformer of the Reformation. Every pioneer that this church is a memorial to. They're all there. Let me tell you who else is there. Your grandparents are there. You had a grandparent or two or three that loved Jesus. They're now sleeping in Jesus. Your grandparents are there. You go, girl, go. Maybe your parents are there. Maybe you got a church school teacher who once upon a time was the one who nudged you, kept saying, boy, you got to give your heart to Jesus. She's in that stadium saying, now you go. The preacher who baptized you, he's dead. But he's as if he were alive saying, come on, go. I'm cheering you on. We must draw power like every good athlete does. Draw power from the crowd. That's Hebrews 12.1. You draw power and oh, by the way, I saw this happen. I was watching. I just turned the television on last Sunday. And here is the woman's marathon. 26.2. Grueling miles. I've done one in my life. And she's coming. She's at the head of the pack. I'm talking about that 38-year-old mother and Romanian named Constantina Tomescu Dita. She has been going for 26.2 miles. And when she comes into that stadium, the entire 91,000 place explodes. And it was like they were pouring gasoline on her dying embers as she flew that final round. You draw strength. Every good athlete does. You draw strength from the stadium around you. Secret number two. Write it down. Strip down. Secret number two strip down Hebrews 12:1 we just read it let us throw off everything that hinders now the greek describes the shedding of a toga those long robes traditionally worn by the ancients i mean how can you run with a long robe between your between your legs you can't do it you got to take it off take it off if it's entangling your feet take it off we don't have to go as far as some of those ancients who raced buck naked but we need to strip down By the way, speaking of buck naked, do you know this is true? They have designed scientifically, they designed a swimsuit. You saw it if you watched the swimming competition. They designed, put it on the screen, please. They designed a swimsuit that is so sleek that it has less resistance than naked human skin. There they are. That's why the records were popping right and left. Strip it off. What are we supposed to strip off? Would you write it down, please? The sin that so easily entangles you. Are you entangled by a sin that is only going to drag you down right here at the waiting for the starting gun to go off? The new year's about to begin. Are you already entangled? Something weighing you down? The the writer of Hebrews wisely says not a word about which sin, because he knows your mind as soon as you read that sees that sin. We all have entangling, besetting sins. Strip it off. Take it off. You're going to run this race. Get rid of it strip off strip down he said well am i running against everybody else no 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 get this i'll tell you who you're running against write this down please the glory of the olympiad of the ages is that every entrant may win everybody wins you cross the finish line gold hallelujah we do not race against each other write it down self is our great nemesis and our only competitor i am racing Against myself. Ego, pride that just chases me down. Paul himself, the mightiest runner of the Christian race, who may, by the way, have been the one who wrote these words in Hebrews. Paul struggled with his besetting sin. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Paul's sanctification was the result of a constant. Notice that circle those words, constant conflict. It wasn't one day now, constant conflict with self. He said, I die daily. His will and his desires every day conflicted with duty and the will of God. Instead of following inclination, he did God's will, however, crucifying to his own nature. We all have entangling, besetting sins. Don't kid me. And please don't fool yourself. Yourself already knows. He's your enemy. And no sooner has one been shed. By the way, have you notice this? No sooner than one is shed and somebody is dumping another weight on me. You get one down, there's another. Where'd that guy come from? Somebody doesn't want me to win this race. Somebody is huffing and puffing right beside me. Life is a never-ending race. Strip it off. Strip down. Hey, Dwight, how do I strip down? Keep reading. Secret number three. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1. Write it down. Let us run the race marked out for us. Good news. Hallelujah. I don't have to run the race lane. You're in. So quit trying to make me run your lane. And I got better news for you. You don't have to run the race lane I'm in. There's six point six billion race lanes right now. It's the widest racetrack in the universe. Everybody has his own unique race lane. Hey, I want to tell you something. That being the case, you gotta be content with your own lane. I tell you what. It's a telling moment in that early morning lakeside breakfast when in front of all of Peter's colleagues, Jesus publicly restores this fallen man to leadership after his crash and burn denial where he turned the air blue. I don't know who you're talking about. And then Jesus gives a very huge hint As to where Peter's race lane will eventually end up, his finish line will mean crucifixion. And John comes along and says, by the way, he just got told how he's going to die. And Peter humbly accepts the Lord's prophecy, but he's curious about John boy's race lane. And so he says, hey, Jesus, now that you've told me mine, where does this boy's race lane go? And Jesus politely looks back into Peter's face and he says, Peter, it is none of your business. I have a race lane for John. I have a race lane for you. You stick in your lane, boy, and you will be just fine. Ladies and gentlemen, prescient counsel from that same Christ to us all. Too much energy is expended and wasted today by people who are trying hard to run the race of someone else. i got to be a scholar just like him. No, you weren't called to be a scholar just like him. I'm going to be an artist just like her. No, you weren't called to be an artist just like her. You've been called to be you. There is only one you in the history of the universe. You might as well be the best you you can be because there will be no replacement for you. (laughs) Stick to your own lane. Some of us have been trying for years to achieve the dreams of our parents. I love all of our parents. But they can't dream it for you now. you got a race lane. God has given you that lane. Stay in your lane. Quit changing lanes all the time. Be content with who you are. Run, run, run. By the way, Wallace Spearman, the American runner who chased Usain Bolt in that 200 meter dash and could have won a silver medal. But when they replayed the tape, they found out that Wallace Spearman, the great American runner, stepped into somebody else's lane and boom, you're out of this race. Two in that very race were disqualified, bumping two Americans right up behind the Jamaican Stay in your lane. Be content to run the unique race that God has called you to win. He's assigned your lane. By the way, the very fact that you have been assigned a lane, you need to know this. You are now guaranteed. Listen carefully. You are guaranteed to finish this race. You will finish it. You wouldn't have been given a lane if God didn't know that you're going to finish it. If you're in a lane, you will finish. So stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. All right. Secret number four. Don't quit. Secret number five, endure the pain. Write them both down. We'll do them together. Don't quit. Endure the pain. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Jot it down. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Even as Jesus endured the cross. You need to know that the Greek word for the two words that you put in in English, perseverance and endured, is from the same root. You know what that means? we got to run straight through our pain. There's going to be pain. Let's be honest. Just as there is a winner in all of us, there is a quitter in all of us. We're all tempted to quit. Don't you tell me you haven't been tempted. You have. You know what will make me quit faster than anything else? The fear of pain. Pain over losing. Pain over failure. Pain over suffering. I don't want pain. Pain is what leads so many to prematurely quit Their race. Don't you dare quit. Don't you dare quit. In fact, I need to tell you this that the Greek word for for a race that we just noted a moment ago, agon, that Greek word is the root for two English words, agony and agonize. They're all from the word race. That means that you can't be in this race as a human being without experiencing pain. If you're not having any pain, then you aren't running because you're not in a race. If you're running this race, there will be pain. As the old coach said, no pain, no gain. There is pain. The writer of Hebrews makes sure that we see that. There's pain in this race. I watched Paula Radcliffe, the greatest woman marathoner in English history. I watched her, coincidentally, both on a Sunday, in Athens four years ago, and then I happened to turn on the TV. And here she is running in Beijing. Now I got to tell you about the Athens race. It wasn't pretty, because at mile 20 to 22, those who run marathons know that there's something called the wall, and Paula Radcliffe hit the wall. It is an emotional stop. It's an emotional break. It's... Bricks. You can't go on. Your body wants to run. Your legs can run. But you are, emotionally, you are shot. And while the chase camera zooms in, let's put it up there, zooms in on Paula Radcliffe, she's out. She is sobbing by this point. She just can't go. It's gone. She hit the wall. Four years later, last Sunday, I saw this same Paula Radcliffe racing in the marathon, only now she ran injured. And you could see the grimace of pain on her face. But this time she would not quit. And instead she ran through her pain and into that stadium to the cheers of the crowd and crossed the finish line. Number 23. But she finished. She finished. And in the race you're in, it doesn't matter what number you are. If you cross the line, there's gold for you for the rest of eternity. Hallelujah. Don't quit. She endured the pain. This year, you're going to discover a dozen reasons why you two should drop out of the race and quit. Financial reasons, emotional reasons, physical reasons, academic reasons, professional reasons, social reasons, valid and compelling reasons. I am sure, but you cannot quit. Do not quit. God has marked out this race for you. You are alive by divine appointment. That means he knows you can cross this finish line. He already knows that with him you can cross it. That means no matter how painful this race turns out to be, God knows He's with you. Secret number six, keep your eyes on your trainer, capital T, trainer. Hebrews 12, verse 2, I love it in the NIV, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Okay, keep writing. who better to train us than the one who made us? As I wrote in our blog, and it's on our website, if you go to our website, I write a weekly blog, and it's in the church bulletin today as well. As I wrote in our blog, I was amazed to discover that three of our top gymnasts in this nation are coached by their parents. One mother and two fathers, two of whose families brought gold back from Beijing. Nastia Liukin, winner of the all-around gymnastics gold medal, see her on the screen there. Has her father Valerie to thank, himself a gold medal winner in the 1988 games. Look at that hug. The one who made her train her. And when your trainer is a winner, all the better. All the better. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. How? Ah, Doesn't mean we have to see Him somewhere. In fact, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. I love this in the NIV and the TNIV. It says, let us fix our thoughts on Jesus. You're never going to see Jesus, but you can focus your mind on him. How, Dwight? How can I do it this year? Piece of cake. Here's what you do. I know of no better method of fixing your eyes and thoughts on Jesus this new year than carving out some time at the beginning of every single day to be alone with your trainer. That's it. One story a day from the Gospels. You meditate on it. You're going to discover high energy soul food that can keep you running all day long. You don't need Michael Phelps 12,000 calories. Just one story. And the Spirit of Jesus will just keep moving those spiritual calories through your soul all day long. You're finding new energy, a new little lift to keep running. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Who is He? He's the author and finisher of our faith. And we've just been set up for the final secret. Number seven, write it down. If you want to race to the finish, you must run with the finisher. Hebrews twelve two. let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I've got to ask you this. Did you see that race? Maybe you've seen the pictures. It was dark. And the man was stumbling toward the finish line, gasping for every mouthful of oxygen he could suck in. I'm telling you, it was not pretty. In fact, in muted horror... The entire stadium, it's one of those moments, the entire stadium was on its feet, unable to move. And you could just hear this collective, oh, just this, oh, like a roar. In obvious agony, the final steps of a race so grueling and tortured, would the runner be able to cross the finish line or will will he fall short, fail short of the finish line? As you can imagine... It was all that the stadium officials could do to keep the family of the runner and the citizens of his home country from leaping over the barriers and racing out there to take their beloved hero and help him across that last line. But the rules are clear. Nobody is to assist the runner if the runner is assisted He will be disqualified, and the race for him called. Stripped of even his shirt, the runner collapsed. And it appeared by his agonizing cry that he simply could not finish the race. His broken heaving fills the giant screens of that stadium as in muted silence. They watch. And then they saw it. And they heard it. And to this day, they still tell it. Summoning from an inner emptiness, that last ounce of strength that he had, the runner pushed himself back up onto his staggering feet. And in a final burst of superhuman agony, he lunged forward and collapsed across the finish line. And then they saw it. And they heard it, and to this day, as he fell, they remember his cry heard to the edges of the galaxies, It is finished. Finished. I made it. I made it. The human race can now cross the finish line with me. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus died on that cross of Calvary, every man, woman, and child entered in this race today is guaranteed to cross the finish line one day. If today you run with the finisher, you've got to run with the finisher. And by the way, He's the beginner and the finisher. And He's everything in between the beginning and the finish line. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. It's the only way you win. I don't care what you're good at. I don't care what your gifts are. The only way this race gets finished Is if you fix your eyes on the finisher. He's done it all. Calvary has done everything you need. All you have to do is run with the finisher. Let's pray. Oh God. Oh God, have mercy. You came down stripped. Stripped, you came down, collapsing on the finish line, the winner. And because you did, every man, woman, and child in this place right now can have the hope of crossing the same finish line one day. And so, Father, please, the starting gun hasn't even gone off yet. But please, dear God, this year, this season, may all of us fix our eyes on Jesus. And in step with the finisher, may we cross that line one day as well. And while every head is still bowed in prayer, I can't come to this moment. I just can't. Without making an invitation, is there a young adult here who needs to recalibrate his race? Who needs to recalculate her race and determine that from henceforth, I'm running with Jesus. If there is such a runner here right now, I wish you'd do this even before the starting gun goes off. Would you come out of that pew and just come here to the front? And I want to I pray with you. I'm not going to prolong this moment. But if there's somebody here who needs to recalibrate his race, she needs to recalculate her lane and you want to determine to run with Jesus this new year, would you come forward right now? Just fix your eyes. Lock your eyes on Jesus. He's won this race for you. It's all been covered. Do you wish to accept that victory on your behalf and now run in tandem with Him. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe you're not a young adult. But something inside of you is saying, I've got, got to recalibrate. I have got to start afresh and you'd like to start fresh with Jesus would you mind slipping out of that pew the last row of the balcony to the front row and saying look at if you've got a stadium watching me right now i don't mind being watched that's how runners live i'm happy to stand up and say Jesus is my trainer, and I will run with Him by His grace for the rest of my race. Young adult or not, how about it? Are you willing to take that step today? Are there any others? Anyone else? You're not coming to the church. You're not coming to the preacher. You're coming to Jesus and saying, I recalibrate. I start over. Brand new. doesn't matter what happened this summer. It's not on my mind right now. I have a race in front of me. That starting gun is about to go off. I have to run with Jesus. I'll never finish otherwise. I will always quit. I have to have Jesus. Oh Christ. It is finished. You are the finisher. I've no idea where my race lane goes, let alone the race lane for all of these hundreds. But, oh God, you know. And what we're saying is we know. We can't finish this race without our eyes fixed on you. And so if you wish to join these who have committed themselves... To recalibrating their race, and you wish to recommit yourself to fixing your thoughts on Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are right now. Holy Father, you pick the lane. We're already in our lanes. all we ask is that you will keep our eyes on Jesus through to the finish, with the finisher, and the gold forever and ever. Amen.